Mark, we're ready. We up? All right. Good to see everybody this morning. We're going to be in First Timothy chapter one, uh, the end of chapter one. If you want to get turn it over there, uh, I don't really have anything. Uh, you know, we've got you know. Look at the announcement. Make sure that you. I'm sure Dan will t- will say something about it. You're welcome, but make sure that you look on the information center and and uh, sign up for anything that you might want to do. Or bring on on Easter Sunday. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a breakfast that morning, and uh, we'll, we're we're planning some kind of a sunrise service. We don't know exactly what it's gonna be yet, uh, but we're gonna do that, and uh, and then we'll have breakfast like from eight to nine, uh, and uh, so you know we've got a you got a sign up sheet where you can sign up for bring stuff, bring this, that, or the other, and and we're gonna see if we're gonna have enough. So uh, make sure you do that. Make sure you know we can't remind you enough that you need to sign up for that stuff. Don't just say, "Well, I'm just gonna bring this stuff." Make sure we know what you're gonna bring, so we know what's not being brought. So all right. Uh, Don's dad. Uh, huh? We just had another miracle in our family. They, we've been so blessed. Uh, yeah, I was actually put on a ventilator. Good deal. Good deal. You know, Sue DeBoard went home. Uh, she was in the hospital for a couple of days and she went home, so she's doing lots better from what I hear. So anyway. Uh, we'll let everybody get in here and then we'll uh, then we'll pray and we'll get started. Come on in, guys. Okay, let's pray and uh, and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for the for being our God and for loving us, for being the kind of God you are, for being so holy and so. Uh, uh, full of full of uh, wonderment. We pray your blessings upon us. We thank you, Father, for being our God, and we thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have this morning to honor and glorify you this morning together as a family. Uh, we pray your blessings upon us as we worship. We pray that our worship will will truly go up to you as a sweet aroma, and you'll be pleased with what we offer this morning, Father. And where you're not, we pray that you'll help to to get that right and fix that, uh, Father. And as we study this morning. We, are, we strive to learn the truth. We want to know what, what you uh, have for us to learn, and we pray, Father, that you'll help us to learn the truth. Uh, we don't want to learn doctrine. We don't want to learn all of that stuff. We just want to know what it is you have to say, and then give us the strength and the courage, Father, to apply those things to our lives. Thank you. Father, we pray for, for, uh, for all of those around us. We pray for our, our families. We pray for those that we know and people that are struggling in our lives and even the, and even the successes that you've been a part of. In our lives, we we can't mention them. There's so many of them. We just pray, Father, you're, uh, to let you know that we're so very thankful for how you work and how you minister in our lives, and we look forward to what's coming next. We pray uh, that you would help us to to not be afraid, Father, to step out on faith and and do and say the things that we're we're commanded by you and through the gospel to say and do. Father, help us to do that. Thank you for the opportunities that are going to come our way. Bless us as we move forward in this class. Help us to learn and help us to grow and help us to have the courage to apply those things to our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in chapter one. Uh, I'm going to go back and review just a little bit. Come on in, guys. 
you don't mind being on camera, we got plenty of chairs right here in front. I don't have a problem with being right here in front. You want to be if you're uh, if you're visiting with us online, we thank you that you're you've chosen to join us. Uh, we are uh, this is Central Church of Christ. I'm Dan Spaith. I'm one of the elders here, and if this is if it's his first time, or you know, this stuff goes in our library. So you know, this class goes in our library. And you can you can pull up on it, you know, a year from now and still find it. Uh, worship service doesn't. It it only stays up for a while. And then the sermon does. The sermon does, but the worship service itself only stays up for a bit, and it's then it's pulled down. But uh, but that's uh, but all that stuff is on our archive. We've got probably five years of stuff on our on our website that you can go and look at uh, things that we that we've done. So anyway, uh, we uh, we thank you for joining us, guys, and thank you for you guys being here. Uh, you look like a, a great group this morning. Uh, I got some talkers in here, and that's good. It's always good. So uh, I'm going to go back for just a second what we talked about some last week. Uh, but I'm, you know, uh, even though Paul viewed himself as the worst of sinners, uh, God didn't view him that way. You know, God, because of Jesus, God poured out his grace on Paul. And he poured out and he showed him mercy. And because of those two things, that grace and mercy, Paul was able to show uh, in his new life this wonderment of Jesus to the world and to us. And, you know, as, as we look through that, I want to go back to verse 16 because there's something that I want to make sure that I know most of you understand, but there's a couple of you in here. I want to make sure you've got this, okay? So I want you to go back to verse 16. We're going to pick it up in 18 after we get through, uh, and after we get through with this, but I want you to, I want to pick it up in verse, just verse 16. He said, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in, in the, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's the part I want to look at just for a second. Do you understand what God's saying when he says, when he says, for those who believe in me, they will gain eternal life? You understand what, he, what he's saying? If you pulled 100 people on the street, 100 people, and asked them, do you believe in God, do you believe in Jesus, what do you think your, uh, the result's going to be? Quite a How many, what's the percentage you think you're going to get? 95, 90% are going to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe in him. Now, they may have a, a different idea of what that means, but they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. So what does that mean? Does that mean all those people have gained eternal life? Is that what that means? That's what that's what he said. He said, he said right there, he said, who might who would believe in him and receive eternal life? Okay? So so what is, what's the difference between that saying, I believe, and what he's saying, I believe? Even demons believe. Even know, demons believe. believe Good point. Even, I want to make sure you guys got this. Because the gospel is about the salvation that comes from God. From the very beginning to where he planned it from the beginning. Jesus deciding he's going to leave heaven and come here and become a man. That's all the gospel. That's all the good news. If you don't believe this, and if you do believe this, what is that going to mean in your life so that you can gain eternal life? I'm going to take you to a text in Hebrews chapter 3, and then we're going to move on. I just want i want you to look at this text for just a second. Hebrews chapter 3. Now, this text is about the, the nation of Israel, okay? The nation of Israel has come to the promised land. That's, this, that's the story that he's, they've come to the promised land, and God has been telling them, for generations that he's going to give them a land 
and it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. And he's going to be leading them, okay, with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And he leads them, and he leads them right to the Jordan River. That's where he leads them to. And so they send spies in to the land to see what is going to be necessary, what they're going to have to do, how they're going to have to have to, to navigate this. And the spies come back and say, we can't take the land. We can't take the land. We can't. It, it's too much for us. There's giants over there, and there's great walled cities, and we can't take the land. And the, and the nation sides with them. Moses tries to change. No, they side with the, with the, with the ten... The ten spies that come back, only two come back and say, no, we can take the land because God said we can. Joshua and Caleb come back and say, we can take the land. And they side with the ten, and God gets mad. No, God didn't get mad. He is furious. And you know what he tells them? Fine. Now, every one of you over the age of 20 will die. And I will kill you in the, in the wilderness. I will, I will put you in the wilderness, and I'll give this land to your children. And 605,000 people die over the next 37 years. Okay? You start messing with what God tells you to do, and you say, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm going to do it this way. God says, fine, do it your way. This is what's going to happen. Now, once you, then that, after I told you all that, then here is the, the, here is the, the end of that. Into this text, this is a story about about this about warning against unbelief, about what they they did not believe God. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe that, that they, you know, when they come back full 37 years later, this is a, about two and a half years in is when they do this. About 37 and a half years later, they come back and they don't make that same mistake again. They send the spies in, but that's when they meet Rahab. Remember her? The prostitute that lives in Jericho. Met her. And they go into Jericho and march around the city. Remember all that story? That's 37 and a half years later. You know who's doing that? These people's children. Because they say they're going to take our children and make slaves out of them. God said, I'll show you. Let me show you. Let me show you what I'm, what, what's going to happen. He said, I'm not going to give this. I'm going to give this to them. They're going to get this land. And that's what he does. But here's what, listen to what he says. In chap, at the end of chapter 3, verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was God, was he angry for 40 years? Who was he angry with? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? They disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What did he just say? They were punished because they disobeyed. And he said, we see that they didn't get to go in because they did not believe. So if you look at this text and you ask yourself, okay, what's God trying to tell me here? What's he trying to tell me about belief here? If I don't obey, then God says your belief don't mean nothing. If I'm not willing to obey, if I'm not willing to put into practice what God says, if God says jump and I won't jump, and I say, well, I think I'll crawl around it instead, or I'll crawl over it instead, or I'll go a different way instead, God says, nah, that's not the way this works. If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. Period. Yeah, Charlie. Man, I don't know, you know, in my Bible, it says the Greek for that word disobey means disbelieve. Disbelieve. Which means that they believe. Mm-hmm. But then, Yeah. Which. Yeah, it's pretty easy, guys, to believe at the beginning when you, when you're, when a Pharaoh's coming and you're trapped against this Red Sea and you're trapped in a cul-de-sac. And you got no place to go, and God shows up and 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 
thwarts their plans and opens the Red Sea and you walk across on dry ground. It's pretty easy to believe that, isn't it? But after a while, what happens? What happens when when all the when all the, the pomp and all the all the tinsel goes off? What happens then? And you have to believe based on no more splitting of Red Sea. You know, you got now you're hungry and you're thirsty and it, and you seem like you God put you out here just to kill you anyway. It's that that affects your belief system, doesn't it? Does in our lives. God said if you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. Period. So you have to ask yourself. You know, when, when he says here, if you go back to 1 Timothy, and he says here, those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. The only ones that are going to get eternal life are those that say, I believe you and then put it in practice. I will do what you tell me to do. Now, that's not going to be easy, guys. That's difficult because God's going to call you to a lifestyle that is that is that will be contrary and foreign to anything you've ever experienced before. That's just the, that's just the fact of it. And you are gonna you're gonna be asked to no longer conform but to transform. You're gonna be asked to to live according to faith based on what you have not seen and what you've never seen before. And you're and he's gonna ask you to do that. And it and if you say, ah, uh, not so much. He said, fine. You made your choice. What do you do to these people? What do you do to them? You destroyed them. What will he do to us? Same thing. Same thing. He'll destroy us. If I say I believe and I don't obey, then I don't believe. Okay? I just want to make that sure that you guys got that, that you understand. Especially, I know not. I know most of y'all know that, but there's a couple in here that I'm not so sure that did, and I want to make sure they got it. That if you say you believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You know, I've had studies before where people say, oh, I'm devout. I'm, 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 I, believe, I believe in God. I believe in God. And their lifestyle has no, no evidence of it at all. That's not belief. That's not belief, guys. You know, there, there may be people today that come to this place and worship this morning that are going to die and go to hell. You understand that? Just because someone walks into this building and graces this place with their presence does not mean they have a ticket to go to heaven. This is this is only a small fraction of what God calls us to do. Yeah, Matthew. What do you call that? Do you call that fear? Do you call that fear? What do you guys call that? A lack of belief. A lack of a lack of being obedient. What do you call that? Lack of love. A lack of love. Lack of love. Fear. You love Christ. I think I think you're both right. Okay. I think if I love Christ, I'm going to be obedient. If I love him the biblical way, he said, he said, I'm going to be obedient. I think it's also when God calls you to uh, to change lifestyle. When you read in the book and you know that you're not able to do this, this, and this, whatever that this, this, and this is, you're not able to do that. And God's telling you, you have to transform. And you're starting to learn what that means. And it may mean that you have to do A, B, or C, or maybe all three. That's a scary place to be. That's scary, guys. When he says you have to walk away from your family, go ahead, Kale. Well, on the fear topic, it's like the pretty sure it says uh, in Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is fear is the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And and you have to realize is that in the example in Hebrews, uh, when it came to them being promised this land, they were more afraid of men than they were of God. Y'all hear what he said? That they were more afraid of men than they were. And people today, we have to say, if you're more afraid of failure, if you're more afraid of men, people, than you are, if you're more afraid of your family or in-laws or whatever, 
and you're willing to make choices based on that fear, then you will die and go to hell at some point, isn't it? That doesn't change. Just simple as that. That's the way this works. God says, I want it all, or don't give me any of it. That's what he says. Numerous places. Luke 14, Matthew chapter 10, he says, he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And he said, if you're not willing to do that, don't call yourself a disciple. Don't call yourself one. Because I'm not calling you one. That's what he said. Go look it up. Go read it, guys. And see for yourself if that's not what he's saying. He said, he said, unless you're willing to hate your mother and your father and your sister and your brother, even your own life, you have no part of it. That's what he says. How much does he want then of you? All of it. He wants it all. He wants it all. Fear and love both. He wants it all. He wants the fear based on, okay, I'm afraid. You know, you ought to be, we ought to be afraid of what he's capable of. If we read the Old Testament, you ought to be really afraid of what he's capable of. But a healthy a fear that motivates you to be obedient to him. That's what he's telling. That's what happened when, when Paul is showered with grace and mercy. It's to show the example of Christ. And it was it was to, to gain, to make people who believe, give people the opportunity to believe, to have eternal life. If Jesus doesn't do what he did, we can't get eternal life. I don't care what we do. But we do have eternal life because of what he did. Now, let's go to chap, chapter 1. Everybody got it now? I know that 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 hey we'll keep I'll keep counting on this all right we, we got we got more we get we get to it in this text we got some more uh-huh the other part of the fear is not just fearing what he can do to me mm -hmm. in his power mm -hmm. but that fear also indicates respect yeah there has yeah. to be respect or you're not going to fear you know what I'm afraid of not gaining what he's got available for me <coughs> not getting what what he has waiting for me what he has waiting for us. I'm afraid that I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss being in heaven with them. I don't want to miss that. And so that fear motivates me, you know, not really fear as much as a healthy respect. You know, I'm good. You know, and I don't, we don't, any of us here always get it right, guys. We don't. You know, we're all sinners just like Paul. We talked about that last week, all right? Paul considered him the worst of sinners. God said, no, you're not. No, you're not. He said, and let me show you why. Let me show you how I'm telling you. I'm going to prove that. I'm going to shower you with grace and mercy. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve, and I'm not going to give you what you do. And it was simple. So now let's go look at chapter 18. I mean, chapter 1, verse 18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command. Remember, we talked about that. That was what came up in verse 3. This is that, this is that charge or instruction. He said, I want you to go and teach this sound doctrine to these people that are not teaching sound doctrine to help the church there in Ephesus. He said, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. So evidently, we don't have any evidence of this, a record of this. Evidently, there were people who had the gift of prophecy said some things about this Timothy when he was a young boy, and he said, he said, you remember what it was said? You remember what it said about you? These things were prophesied about you. You know, I, I, I remember sitting at the kitchen table, the dining room table in my mother's house, in our house, when I was probably 15, 16 years old. And my mother looked at me and she said, she said, one of these days you're going to lead people. She said, I don't have any idea how that's going to, and I, you know, I'm not saying it was a problem. I'm just saying, you know, I'm going, what? You know, no, no, that's not going to happen. And, and it, and it did happen. And I'm going, man, you know, how does she know that? I, I don't think she, if she never envisioned this, I'm telling you that. What she did envision was that my personality and my and my character was going to lead me to that place, you know. And, and you know, for her to see through the nonsense that was going on at that time in my life, I don't know how she saw it. But I'm looking at Timothy, and when he when this is said about him, thinking, 
you know, that's what Timothy heard. Maybe his mom, remember I talked to you when we started this, that his mom, when we get to chapter, the second letter, you know, Paul, Paul's going to say, man, I, I, this, this lived first your mom and your grandma. This is where it lived. This lived first your mother and your grandmas. So I'm saying maybe, maybe one of them, maybe both of them sat him down at the dining room table and said, I don't know what's going on with you, but something big's going to happen with you. Sometimes mothers just know stuff. Sometimes they just know stuff. They just have a perception about stuff that uh, that us guys don't have a clue about. We just don't because they're mothers. They they see things different. Well, let's. I'm going to go with that. All right. That maybe it's mom. Maybe it's maybe maybe Paul himself. Maybe maybe Titus. Maybe somebody said said I've had a vision from God and this is what's going to happen with this young man. Maybe that's why Paul was so adamant about taking him. So adamant about getting him circumcised, you know, we looked at that in, in Acts chapter 16, you know, I mean, in another text. But anyway, he said, he said, you when you recall this, he said, I want you to, to fight the battle well. Fight the good fight is what it means. Okay? Timothy is, is up against it in Ephesus. And he's going to have to have the strength and the courage that can only come from God. Only can come from God. And he's gonna because he, he's gonna have a, he's got a battle on his hands to fight, and Tim and and Paul has left him there with every confidence. You stay here, you take care of this. I'm commanding you. I'm giving you a charge what to do. I want you to teach these 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 teachers in error. I want you to teach them the truth. Not a not an easy task at all. And so he's got a fight on his hand. He said, and this is what he said. He said, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have shipwrecked their shipwrecked with regard to the faith. All right, the first thing I'm going to look at is, is he says, do you hold on to your faith? And you keep a good conscience. We've talked about this before. I've got to stay focused on the truth and right so my conscience stays pure and clean. That I don't get off chasing things that I should not be chasing and doing things I should not be doing. You know, it's a constant struggle in our lives, okay? Not just yours, mine too. Ask Daniel, tell you the same thing. It's a constant battle trying to understand, trying to keep your conscience clean so you can keep focused on what you need to be focused on. Because when your conscience gets twisted up, what happens? You lose focus on the things that you need to be focused on. When you lose sight of your faith, when you don't hold on to the faith that you have, and Satan is going to come after you guys, he's going to come after you with guns blazing, trying to get you to unfocus yourself on on your conscience and your faith. That you do think, oh, it's going to be okay, it'll be fine. No problem. God will understand he'll love you anyway. Well, that may be true, but what happens when you start doing that too much and now you can't stay focused on where you need to be focused? What happens then? At some point, God will say, because look at what he says next. Look what he says next. He said, with, and that have shipwrecked with regard, and have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Now, I've got to stop right here for a minute. We have talked about this at, at nauseum, haven't we, Dan? There are people out there that say it's not possible. This is not possible. Not possible to lose your faith. What they what they say. There's there's whole there's whole bunches of people out there. That one of their doctrinal stances is that once you're saved, you're always saved. What does this say? Somebody here shipwrecked their faith. That means they were on path. They were going along. You know, we got a cruise uh, set up for a, a couple of years. We're going to go on, on another cruise at some point. And uh, and uh, the last thing I want you guys to hear is that thing was shipwrecked. <laughs> right? That's a big boat. It's going to take something to shipwreck it. But I, I don't want I don't want it to be I don't want you to say uh oh that's where Dan and George and Mark and Ann or whoever else would that's where they are man shipwreck. Well this is this is even more serious. 
Because this here, what happened is these guys shipwrecked their faith. That means they lost their faith. Something happened to them. And look at what he, what he said. He said, he said, with regard to the faith among them were Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Wow. Wow. Yeesh. What do you think it meant to pan them over to Satan? Now, Paul doesn't have any power to save or not save. He doesn't have any power to do that. But what do you think it means that he handed them over to Satan? What do you think that means? Wash his hands up. Wash his hands up. He said, I can't deal with you anymore. I can't deal with you. I'm not going to deal with you because you, you've gone off into the far country. You know, when the father, when the son goes off in the far country, the father goes chasing after him and chasing him down, hunting him down, dragging him back on a rope. Did he do that? Why is not? Why did he do that? He had to come to it himself. And what did he do when he wakes up in the pig pen? Eating with the looking at longing to eat with the pigs are eating? What is what does he what does he do? He said he comes to himself. He said, I'll go home. I'll go home. You know, I told that somebody the other day. You haven't been bad enough where God's not gonna be standing on the porch waiting for you to come home. You're not. God's gonna God's gonna be waiting for you to come back. There's only one thing. We're not going to cover it here, but there's only one sin. What these guys, these guys have been blasphemous. You know, there's there's a point where Jesus says there is a sin that God will not forgive. This is not it. They, 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 have, they have spoken against God. They've spoken against things that they don't even know are true or not. You know, and he said, and he said, I have handed them over to Satan. Wow. I remember when I first came here, 40 something years ago. The very first thing I remember is somebody was disfellowshipped. That was traumatic, and I didn't have a clue what was going on. I didn't have a clue. All I, I didn't, and I got bits and pieces. I don't even know what was going on. But I've had to be a part of that one time. I've had to be a part of that, where somebody walked off, walked off from their faith in such a dramatic way that it was bringing reproach on the church. And there was a letter written. And this was somebody that was directly connected to me. Okay? And there was a letter written, hand-delivered, and then the letter said, you're no longer, and then was read in front of the congregation. You're no longer welcome here until this and this and this happens. And all of a sudden, one day, that person walked into the foyer, and the first person that came to me was Bobby Fudge. And he said, Dan, are we okay here? What's going on? And I said, we're good. He's already done what that letter said he needs to do. And... Uh, and so he was welcome back and it was and it was a great day it was a great day because because that guy repented and came back but you know that that's what it was designed for that was what this was the, to get their attention and bring them back that's what it was to, to hand them over to satan and we're not gonna i don't have time to go into first corinthians and look at that text but but it's it's to get their attention and he said i've handed them over i'm done i don't have time to mess with them they have shipwrecked their faith they did it on their own and i'm going wow I said, I just wanted to read this to you because we didn't read it last week. I said, we're going to get into chapter 2. We are going to get into chapter 2, but I wanted you to see this because this is how serious this is. God doesn't, doesn't look lightly upon the faith that he, is, that he has blessed us with through the hearing of the word. He doesn't look lightly on it. He expects you and I to do something with it. He expects us to live our lives in a way that would bring honor and glory to him. That's what I prayed about, that what we do will bring honor and glory to him, not to ourselves, but to him. That's what we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing here. Right? As we study, we're supposed to be learning and growing and then adding that stuff to our lives. So that when we walk out of here, we're better than when we walked in. They were striving to do that. And so he said, because there's a possibility of shipwrecking your faith is always a possibility when Satan's prowling around looking for somebody to eat. He's looking to bite you guys. 
He's looking to fight us. You don't think that's a possibility in your life? Oh, I've been at this too long. I had somebody tell me that one time. I've been at this too long. Satan couldn't couldn't affect me. You just said to yourself, man, I don't want to be anywhere around you for a while. Yeah, but that's the but see the mindset we get we get so arrogant sometimes that we think we're we think we're above reproach. That's not true, guys. We have to be working on our faith all the time. We have to be working on keeping a clear conscience all the time. That's why he tells us that we that we confess to one another. Why we encourage one another. That's why it's a family. That we encourage each other as a family. Now, any questions? We're moving on. No, we've been at, we've been at chapter one for about a month and a half. Seems like so. We're moving on. You know, and we'll try to we'll try to get through chapter two a little faster. Otherwise, we're gonna be here for the next three years. Right? So, anyway, chapter <laughs> anyway chapter two. I urge you then. Okay, now he's been he's talking. Right, remember who's writing? Who's he writing to? Writing to Timothy, a young preacher who's been tasked with it. He's at Ephesus. It's a bad place. A lot of a lot of nasties going on there, and he's been tasked with cleaning it up. All right, from a spiritual perspective. He said, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. All right? I want you to think about a time uh, when you found it difficult to pray or worship. And I don't want you to say anything. I did, when you found a time when you found it difficult to pray or worship. Okay? And I want you to look at what's the first thing that Paul tells this young, man, young, young preacher. He said, I want you then, I urge you then. He said, then first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And he said, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Now, have you ever felt like that you prayed and offered petitions and all that stuff, and it was, nothing was ever going to happen? Because, you know, you ever, you ever, you ever think that? You ever go there? If you're, if you're honest, yeah, yeah, we have, you know, because it seems like nothing ever happens. You pray for our leadership, okay, and it seems to get worse. You pray for our leadership, and it goes in a direction, and it gets, and, you know, you think there was a lot of Jews weren't praying during during the, the Second World War that God would do something with Hitler, don't you think? You think of them six million people that died, you think that there was none of them praying for God, that God would intervene? You think? I think they were probably all of them praying that God would intervene. And what did he choose to do? No. Chose not. Doesn't mean because you offer them that God is going to automatically answer what you ask him to do. It may not be in accordance with his plan. He may, he may have a different set of ideas because he sees things from up here and I see them from field level. He says he sees them from the press box. He sees them different. You know, you're a, you're a coach. Does the field look different from up here than here? I know we went to the Alamo Bowl one time and, and somebody was gracious enough to pay for us a, a box. You know, I had never seen a football game like that before. That was amazing. You could see everything. You could see, they were like ants, but man, you know, you could see them, you know, you could see them scampering around. You could see what they were doing. I could see what they were doing and not doing. That's where God sits. I'm down here. He's up there. So he's got a different set of, he's got, his spectacles are different than mine are, right? He sees it different. So I may be praying for something, just like your children. Your children may pray for something that's not possible, not going to happen in their lifetime, maybe. I remember Cliff praying at, you know, insanely, intensely for his mother. He wanted desperately for his mother to come to, to, come to know Christ. 
desperately. He didn't live to see it. It hadn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but he didn't live to see it. He died before that was possible. But you don't think you think that prayer was any less valuable to God? You know, think about think about you know that God's sitting up there and you're offering these petitions and prayers and you're offering Thanksgiving and God knows that He can't do what you ask. He knows He's not going to do what you ask. So maybe what we ought to do when we when we offer these prayers and these Thanksgiving petitions, God, please give me make me strong enough to deal with whatever you've got planned. Maybe that's what we need to be praying about because sometimes sometimes it's going to hit the fan and you're going to be on the receiving end of it just the way it works and sometimes you're going to look up and say man i remember like this i don't deserve this we don't deserve this how dare you do this to us i remember doing it didn't last long thought better of myself i said you're an idiot you need to stop really quickly and i did but that's how i felt because because of what was happening in my life it felt horrible Yet it really worked out for good because we now see all the blessings of what happened. And then couldn't see them because I couldn't. I wasn't sitting up here, sitting down here. I was I was running around through the through the muck and the mire and didn't see it. And so when he says, oh, he's telling Timothy, offer these things. He said, offer them for all people. He said because this is pleasing to God. This is what God wants from us. Do you want your children? There's a lot of children represented in this room. Okay, you want your children to communicate with you or not? You want to talk to you? Do you? Moms, dads, how how important is it for you for your children to talk to you, especially when they're little? You want them to talk to you? You want them to communicate? My sometimes what they say, Lindsay. Sometimes what they say is it is it sometimes just nonsense? Absolutely. <laughs> it's nonsense, right? But to them it may not be. Huh? But to them it may not. To them it may not be, but it's nonsense. You know, I can't do what you want. I want this and this and this, and I'm going to ask Santa Claus for this and this. And you know that ain't going to happen. But you know it's not going to happen. And you say, it'll be okay. Because you know, you see the picture bigger than they do. You know, I can't do this for you. Because this is not healthy for you, for me to do this. I can't give you everything you want. Because that's not going to be good for you down the road. God's going to do the same thing. He's a better parent than you are. I'm sorry, but he's a better parent. So he's going to listen to you and say, that's great, Lindsay, but I can't do this for you because it's just not possible because you don't see what I'm seeing and you don't see what's coming that I see. And and I think when when Timothy is urged to do this, he said, God, but God still wants us to ask. He still wants us to pray and to offer our petitions to him. Oh, you know, I, I, I look these up. Petitions are requests. When you pray, do you have requests? I need you to do this, this, and this, and this. You have those? Sure. Especially if you have little children. I need you to do this, this, and this. Please do this, and this. That may not be possible. It may not do that. You know? So, and then he's over prayer and then intercession. This, this word in the Greek, that intercession, is like a sense of conversation. Do you pray methodically when you pray? Do you pray? Do you, do you, you know, do you have a script kind of that you, that you pray? Is that how you pray? Hmm? No, yes, some, no, y'all don't know. Like what? Blessing at the table. Huh? You have when you do a blessing. Okay. So it's kind of, you know, most of it kind of scripted, you know, kind of in our life. Is that what we do? Or maybe should they be sometimes conversational? Driving down the road and say, man, God, man, that's that's awesome, man. Thanks, man, for that. Man, that's, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. I did that this morning. <laughs> but you see, but that, but you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily pray on like a specific time frame. Yeah, I'm just kind of, kind of thinking about it all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of, I may bring your name up or somebody else's name up just out of the clear blue. And just, oh, wow, I need it. I need, you need it. Please, would you intervene in that person's life? You know, that kind of thing. It says in Psalm 1, the righteous man does what? Meditates on the law day and night. How do you do that? Your mind has to be in that in that that focus. It has to be focused that way. If it's focused on job, it's focused. Now, I'm not saying you can't focus on your job. You have to do this. You know, you know some some jobs, you know, I mean, my job, if I didn't focus, I could, I could be dead. You know, I mean, you know, Mark's job, he doesn't focus. You know, Steve's job, he doesn't focus. Man, you can get dead in a heartbeat, man. Some of that stuff they, these guys do. You know, I mean, it's it, bad, you know, so you have you have certain things you have to focus, but but you can still focus on God in the midst of focusing on your job. All right. And he tells them, he tells this young preacher, he said, you offer requests, you offer petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving. And you do it for everybody. You know, do it for our president when you don't like him very much. Do it for our president when you do like him very much. Do it for Congress when you don't like them very much. Do it for our city, for our city government, when you think what they're doing stinks. Do it for them when you think they're doing really good. You know, pray for your children's teachers that God would intervene in their lives and in their minds. That kind of thing. Inter pray for these things. God said, he said, that's, he likes it. Oh my gosh. See what y'all do when y'all let me chase rabbits? <laughs> Man. All right. Well, I'm, I, I got a, I got a minute. Anyway, well, I'm going to get to it, and then I'm going to have to come back to it next week. But listen to what he said. Verse three again. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is now. This has now been witnessed to all, to all the, at two at, at the proper time. You know, you know what a mediator is? It's a go-between. You know what it means to mediate? To mediate. I want to take you to a text, and we're gonna and we're gonna stop. And I'm gonna come back to it next week because I can't. I don't have time in a minute to to really put what needs to be put on this. But I want you to look at Ephesians chapter two. All right. Turn over to Ephesians chapter two. <laughs> and I will deal. We will start with this next week. But I just wanted to. I want you know. Look at what it says. Starting in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 2. And remember, that text said that Jesus Christ was a mediator between God and man. That means he's a go-between. means he builds a bridge between us. Without him, there is no bridge. We can't get to him. And this is what he says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, for which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and preached to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about eliminating the, the, the commands with its laws. He's eliminating them on the cross. And he says, Jesus Christ is the one that brings the two together. He brings Jesus, he brings the Father, and us together, you know, in one event. That's the good news, guys. That was planned from the beginning of time. 
And that's still in effect today. And one day we will realize the salvation of our souls when Jesus comes back to claim his own. All right? We'll pick it up right there next week. All right? Thank